0: I'm Karen Giuliano. I'm the principal and founder of Pay Center & Associates. It is a medical device design consulting firm. And what we, we started, I'm, my background is in critical care nursing. And I started um, this actually back in the 08 era when I was out of work. So from that perspective, it's pretty contemporary. Um, and I, did, I, re, I learned then that it doesn't, it's not easy to find a job when you don't have a job. So someone told me to start a consulting firm, so I did. So literally, that's how it started, and it turned out to be one of the best things I ever did. Um, I have a long background. My background is a critical care nurse, but then I spent many years working with small, medium, and large medical device companies building products from a nursing perspective, because if you think about it, nurses are the largest healthcare workforce in all, all of America. We touch and use more products and services than anybody else. So just because of those sheer numbers, we have the best ideas or certainly the most Patient-focused frontline caregiver ideas about how to improve and innovate products and services. so that's really what we do at Pay Center Associates.:
1: Hello, my Karen. <laughs> Hi, Jody. <laughs> Karen and I went to MBA. We did our MBAs together. So exciting. I love it. I love catching up with people this way. Um, you started talking about how you started your company, um, and it started in '08. Talk about a little bit more about what the need is. I mean, like I mean, you, you started doing a lot of consulting and then there was like, you found that there was a need. What was that need at that time?
0: Yeah, I actually, I should have said it was the 08 era, but I actually started it in 012. Um, but um, there was certainly a lot of leftover unemployment from the very beginning of the dot-com bubble. Uh, but the really, the need is, first of all, medical equipment in order to actually be most cost effective and most usable has to be designed for the environment in which it's, and which is intended to use, which is a hospital for hospital mm-hmm. products or home care or whatever the situation is. And so the end users really have the best ideas. What I found out, um, or at least the most practical ideas, they don't know how to build stuff, but they know what sh- the thing should do. Mm-hmm. And what I found out from, I first went to Phillips Healthcare where I spent 13 years and absolutely loved it. So I'm going to put it in a, a pitch for Phillips Healthcare. They were a great company to work for. Um, and I was doing, I did my MBA while I was there. Mm -hmm. Um, And so but what I found was that they have a lot of really smart engineers been the smartest people I've ever worked with, but they don't have the requisite uh, knowledge in terms of the healthcare environment to always build the right thing. So what you really need is a combination of a frontline caregiver plus an engineer in order to get the product built um, in the best way possible. And my dog is barking. No,
1: I mean, I love it. You know, I love it. This is one of those moments where it's like... So we can just keep talking while I let him in. <laughs> <laughs> this, is like, this is the whole concept of multitasking at home because you That's are right. you're doing the business, you're doing your pets. I go, it, he needed to come in. It was it was the time. <laughs> I know, and he's 14, and
0: he can't go up two sets of stairs anymore by himself without a little encouragement because he can't. I don't think he can see very well.
1: Oh my God, I love it. Yeah, he's <laughs> a good boy. <laughs> <laughs> so walk me through the process. So you are a consulting I mean, so walk me through the process of how the company works. I mean, if I'm uh, engaging with you, what happens? So what happens is
0: my specialty is really taking a look at um, the, the product or process. I, I, I specialize in products, although there's certainly a lot of service needs too, but that's not really what I do. Mm-hmm. So you take a, take a look at a medical product that's meant to do something, for example, a patient monitor, which is what I worked on with Philips, and it has to act in a certain way and be used in a certain way and be able to be picked up and moved or whatever the things may be well the clinician the end clinicians that are using that are the ones that know those specs when you build a product you have a whole you create a whole list of product requirements and that's what you build to just like a recipe when you put the right ingredients in in order to get the end result that you want but um, engineers if they're not if they're not intimately familiar with the environment don't necessarily know all the requirements so what our firm does is really provide help them with requirements Um, So that's number one. But number two, even more important with testing, because even though you can come up with a list of requirements, it's just a wish list and they they may or may not be correct. It's a place to start, not a place to finish. And so the FDA has gotten much more particular about usability testing um, as a requirement for um, for all medical devices. And usability testing um, really, really means that the end user uses the product in the way it's supposed to be used and you have to submit some of those data to the FDA in order to get your um, device approved. And so we do a lot of usability testing. So I'll bring in a bunch of nurses into a room or maybe we'll bring the device into a clinical area. That partly, that all depends on the level of the device because the riskier it is, you can't put just put it on patients um, until it's approved. Um, so we do that. But then the other thing our firm does is um, do a lot of clinical outcomes testing on already released products, mm-hmm. because even the best pro- best design product with the best intentions in mind with super good usability testing may or may not actually work how you think, because there's always a few I should have had a V8 moments <laughs> like, how could I have missed that? <laughs> <laughs> so we do, we do i love i'm a researcher i'm actually a full-time academic now so i just do i don't do as much consulting um i leave that to some of my associates as i did in the past uh, but i but we do clinical outcomes research so we build the best product possible to work with someone to help them build the best product possible and then i love to design studies to actually test whether it met our objectives um, and whether it works it works as intended
1: in the clinical environment the nurses that you're finding, I mean, these are, I mean, obviously they're like working nurses um, and they're, I mean, are you using the same nurses? I mean, is this like a focus group where they get the benefits for that? Or is it the, because they, they believe in what they're doing and they want to use these brand new technologies? Like, how is that relationship with those nurses built? Because their nurses are busy. I mean, they're working long hours, but yet these products, you're right. They need it and they need to know how to use it properly. The doctors aren't using them. They're using them every single day. So how are you looking at forming these relationships with these nurses? Well, they, we go into clinical
0: environments, and first of all, the nurses don't do it for free because they shouldn't. Their, their, their knowledge has economic value um, into product development. Um, so, for example, a focus group is an example of something that you do at the beginning of the product um, cycle. So when you start, have an idea, you have some rough ideas, and you ask people um, how, you know, how they th- could envision they might like it. Um, and then you might bring in a par- a prototype that's just a, you know, a, th- a 3D printed prototype, have them play with it and then give them more ideas. So you can use those focus groups along the way of product development. When you have a product that's actually finished, um, if, it, if it's okay to put on patients because it's not a high risk product, then you could bring it into a clinical environment, actually have them use it, watch them use it, um, see if they used it correctly and give your feedback and see if it actually holds up in the clinical environment because these these devices have to be tough they get dropped bent kicked squished in beds liquid on them um so you have to think about that another thing though we do for higher risk devices that you can't take in until you can't take into a clinical environment until um you get regulatory approvals, we'll bring nurses into a sim lab. So we'll set up a research study and we recruit and we pay the nurses as research participants. Mm -hmm. And then we set up a realistic and a clinical simulation lab use of the device and then, or devices, and then we actually watch them use it and then we can get their feedback on it as well. So I love that. And so at UMass, what I'm actually doing is... I have um, a prototyping lab at the UMass Amherst campus, so that's a lab that's meant to get nursing input, actually healthcare provider input, but obviously as a nurse, I work with mostly nurses. And this is this doesn't have to do with my business. This is just something I'm doing at UMass um, to do um, prototyping. And then at the UMass campus in Mount Ida, we have we're going to build a usability lab. So it's kind of it's I, it's from the learnings from my business, and now I'm going to translate
1: some of that stuff into my academic role. That's amazing. I mean, I love it. Um, I always, um, I think that this is one of those opportunities uh, that I'm, I'm very, very, very lucky that I'm surrounded by the most amazing innovators globally. Um, but this is a great opportunity for people to understand the rest of the story because uh, the, the end user never knows all the things that come to that, like that, that are created prior to them using it. So this is like a, a nice little educational part. Um, what has COVID done to, um, your business, as well as creating brand new products in the healthcare, healthcare system? Well, certainly there's been the, the demands on clinicians have
0: really um, have changed. There's some new demands on clinicians based on care of the COVID patient. For example, when you have to put PPE on, it takes time, but a COVID patient's going to be in a room and a closed door. Every time you go into that room, you have to put on, put on your mask and gown and gloves and then take it off when you leave. Mm-hmm. Well, if you've got a device such as an infusion device, is a classic example that beeps constantly or requires a lot of interaction because you're giving lots of meds or you're changing doses, things like that, that would basically not be possible. So one of the things that's come to play during COVID is these um, pumps are being moved outside the room. So literally nurses are, are just adding a bunch of extension tubing you know, and using the devices you know, 15, 20, 30 feet away from the patient, which was never intended, it's fine, they work okay, but there's definitely implications to that practice. And that's actually one of some of the things that we're studying. Um, And also, it also brings up the point, um, do we need pumps to be at least partially, under certain circumstances, able to uh, remote operate? Mm -hmm. And currently that hasn't happened. So that's another thing that um, would be a possibility and certainly an opportunity for innovation. Uh, and in um, fact, I'm, yeah, I'm working with a vendor right now to, to start to think and test of just that.
1: Because of COVID, I mean, I, everyone is working on something in regards to we can't touch. Like right now, we can't touch unless a va- until there's a vaccination, um, touchless everything. Uh, what are you seeing in your industry? And not just like what you're doing every single day um, and the people that you're working with, but what are you seeing um, the industry talking about how, how can we actually take care of individuals in a hospital when we're trying so hard not to touch them because we don't know if they have COVID or not. And, and if we are um, uh, taking care of someone that has COVID.
0: Yeah, actually for right now, I think because we're such in the thick of it, that's a little, that's, that's like when you do a product roadmap, that's like the three plus year part of the roadmap. The right now I need it today or yesterday roadmap is, Enough, Not an, enough PPE, and I think we all know that that's pretty, been pretty well publicized. Yeah. One of the things that's really come out of COVID is how nurses have stepped up to the plate for innovation. Um, Johnson & Johnson been, has, been, has done a great job at really um, highlighting the innovative capacity of nurses, and they actually just released a nice... Um, Web link that highlighted, I think, 10 nurses and nursing groups that have done stuff for COVID. One of them actually is from UMass. Her name's Alan Slinflein, and she designed and is helping to manufacture or or the um, uh, face mask or face shield, which is being used throughout Massachusetts. Another one, Lindsay Roddy, a critical care nurse in um, the Midwest, has worked, I think, I think Wisconsin has uh, created a new N95 to spec and is actually manufacturing that and it's being used by the children's hospital and she's now setting that up for more widespread distribution. So I think the nurses have done a great job in solving the today and yesterday, I need this now kind of problem. Um, And so I think we can look at the touchless, more glitzy stuff, you know, maybe when we have a little bit more free time um,
1: from the immediate need. When will that free time come is the question. (laughs) Well, that is a great question. I wish it was yesterday, but I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so, thinking about um, the, the nurses that are creating things, thinking about like, how you created your company, um, most people, I mean, like yourself and the nurses, there was a pain point. Some A pain point happened and we're like, you know what? I'm like developing something right at this moment. Um, there's a lot of people that are, that are at home right now that are thinking, you know what? I Actually, you know what? A lot of doctors, nurses that are in the front line, as well as individuals that are home, thinking, you know what, when this is all over, I think this is time for me to create something or create a business. Uh, what would you say to those individuals that are definitely fatigued from everything that's happening right now, but they, they, wanna, they, they wanna solve that problem, they wanna create that business. What would you say to them, because you went through it during that time when the world was in, not in the same situation, obviously, but we were in an economic downfall. So what would yeah. you say to those individuals looking to start their own business? I would say, don't let
0: fear stop you, and follow your passion. There is nobody better equipped to ha- to solve everyday healthcare needs um, than frontline caregivers. Um, obviously, it's the entire healthcare team: physicians, nurses, respiratory therapists, occupational therapists. But nurses use more products and services, and they only are only the only twenty four seven. So they actually probably have more opportunity than anyone else, but it's, nobody practices in a vacuum. So I don't think we can underestimate the, the value of collaboration. Um, but I would say follow your passion. Obviously, you're not going to you know, sell. Well, some people do mortgage their house and sell everything. I'm not trying to advocate that for everybody. But within a reasonable comfort zone, um, don't let fear stop you. Um, there's always going to be the yeah buts. Don't let the yeah buts drive you. Um, just try it. Do it. Um, and you'd be—I so think a lot of people would be really, really surprised at how far
1: and fast they could go. I love the yeah buts. I mean, like, I mean, I, yes, i have had the yeah buts, and I—I I love my company, but yeah, I've had the yeah buts. Um, they're <laughs> scary. They're scary, but they keep you humble. Um, how, yeah, they do. <laughs> how's your team doing? I mean, how is it? How is the team doing, and how are you able to balance the being at home, um, working from home, not seeing your team face to face? Actually, I don't really, ha-
0: I don't, the way I structure my company, when I say and associates, it really is. It's a virtual team. It's always been a virtual team. And I don't have any employees. We all refer to each other. So I just have a group of people, uh, nurses, and I actually have a grant writer too um, in the group that we, ref- when we, when people contact us, we'll refer to each other. Uh, mostly I'm referring out now because I don't have a ton of time because I am a full-time academic, but I love being part of the group. So I'll, if so, if someone says to me, I have an XYZ project, I'll either try to do it or part of it myself, or I'll say, I can't do it, but I know someone that can. Um, and so then, then we really just continue to build our network amongst each other. We bring new people in when we have to. We look for new kinds of um, people with expertise that we don't have. And everybody builds separately. Um, so... Uh, it's, it's really just a virtual association and it's worked out great.
1: And, and, and are you keeping in touch with them right now? And how are they doing? Oh Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. And um, yeah. And that's the way it's always been virtual. And most of my work, work is remote because even the clinical trials, when we do that, the usability studies, the one or two days that you might spend actually collecting the data are a very small part of the process. You have to do all the product development before that you have to write the plan, you have to get the IRB approval. So a good part of the process is remote anyway.
1: Beautiful. What have you gained during this time? We have a, a, a ridiculous amount of time on our hands. Um, <laughs> week number nine, 10. Um, yeah. So what have you, I mean, what have you learned? What, what are you um, gaining that you could actually take on to the classroom as well as your business?
0: Well, I've always, I've worked actually, I've been a remote worker for all intents and purposes for about 20 years. So that part's good, although I'm used to doing, I mean, I've been flying. I'm a million miler on United. Um, so I've a good part of my career I've spent on an airplane. So that part's been really strange. That I, not only have I not gotten an airplane now in two months, but for the foreseeable future, I'm not sure I will. Um, so that's a big, huge change for me um But I think what I'd say you could learn is self direct. You have to, if you're not self directed or you sort of organize your day, it's, it's pretty easy to let it get away from you. So I have, I do three goals every day. I have an exercise goal, I have a home improvement goal, because I'm pushing all my home improvement projects forward. So I won't have to worry about them as soon as they let, <laughs> they cut us loose. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm digging out myself out from a backload of, you know, various projects that I always take on and, now you know I, I get to them eventually but hopefully eventually it's a little sooner so i'm doing really well on two of the three i'm doing doing so well exercising <laughs>
1: goal <laughs> I, i'm writing a to, lot of
0: papers but i'm not walking enough
1: <laughs> <laughs> i'm training for the chicago marathon and like and thank goodness it's at the beginning um because i'm like i mean my training is like uh i'm like i'm taking it serious but not too seriously but it's also in october but there's a part of me that feels Maybe I'll get canceled. Maybe it won't. I'm not sure. So, yeah, I, the exercise part, I'm I'm with you there. Um, I don't know. I think if you're training for a marathon, you'll win. <laughs> <laughs> I'm say, training a- for another trip
0: to the refrigerator.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, um, in a perfect world, um, tomorrow everything goes to somewhat normal, and you are – um, and you are asked to be in California to speak. What does your tomorrow look like? That I'd probably just get on the plane and go worry about the details later. <laughs> 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 that's what I think that's one of the things that, um, most people are, they're cautious, but they're realizing I kind of still need to do what I do.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and um, and I mean, and I guess I take that context into if if it's safe to travel. I think I'm a little hesitant to get if we if we got the go ahead to travel tomorrow in the current environment, I would probably be very cautious. In fact, I'm, I'm thinking of visiting my cousin in Indianapolis over the summer. Normally, I'd hop on a plane. I may just drive.
1: Yeah, so. I think that's a lot of things that people are putting into consideration how they're traveling. Um, And also, a a lot of areas are very cautious, like Rhode Island had just uh, mentioned where we don't know what the legalities are, but we are going to investigate if we can ask people if they've had a test before they come because our numbers are really high and we just don't want to influx during the summer as well.
0: Oh yeah, that's true of all the vacation spots, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I mean, uh, the vacation spots, the Airbnbs, I mean, just like a lot of health concerns that people have that they didn't have to think about before and now they do have to think about. what do you think about the nursing industry as a whole? Because at this point, there's so many people that are, they're fatigued. They're fatigued. A lot of them didn't sign up for this. They didn't expect to have so many deaths in front of them all at the same time in such a short span of time. What do you see for the nursing industry um, in the future, getting young people to even come on to be a nurse? Because there was already a strain on the industry and this happened.
0: Yeah, I worry about that a little because you know, nurses, didn't, nurses are resilient, but they didn't sign up for what they're doing. Um, and it's really hard, although that being said, the amount of resilience we've seen among front, these frontline caregivers is, is awe-inspiring to me. Um, so I actually posed that to some of the students, and I was surprised um, at the answer. There was almost no hesitance among the groups, uh, among the folks that I talked to. I, I had a um, nursing research class this semester of 64 students, and not one of them was particularly hesitant about going in or change. you know, some, most of them were actually hoping that they'd be able to go, wishing that they'd be able to help sooner. Uh, I think that's pretty amazing.
1: I thought they were, um, uh, initially they were saying that they were advancing a lot of students to graduate expedite the graduation so that we can get a lot more people. Are they still doing that or are they no longer doing that? No, they are. My, my students happen to be juniors,
0: so I should have clarified that. So they weren't eligible to do that. Uh, but yeah, the senior ones did get moved forward
1: more quickly. And they wow. did that at uh, medical schools as well. Are you finding that they're coming back to you and they're just asking for, for uh, some advice and like, hi, we didn't, we didn't expect this. Um, we're overwhelmed. Um, they're coming back to their their, uh, their teacher and saying, help us like in regards of how do we balance this? I've not,
0: no, because again, because I have juniors, none of them have actually gone into the clinical setting. I think they were more, more wishing that they could be more helpful. Mm -hmm. Um, And some of them are looking for like nursing assistant jobs over the summer that they could do. Um, in between junior and senior year. I think the harder part for them was actually having to transition out of their clinical environments because they, you know, all the nursing clinical training most was canceled all over the country um, and not being able to get the clinical experience that they know they need in order to graduate. So I think there was more angst around that than worry, surprisingly to me, than worry about what the future might hold for them.
1: That was like another thing that I had heard that they were just going to there was a, a couple of programs that were going to be done virtually, but you can't do a nursing clinical virtually when you have to touch and see the person so um, I'm not sure how that's going to run, but it's it's going to be very, very interesting. Um, if you were going to ask you were going to have asked for yourself and for your and or for your company, what would the ask be for anyone that is listening to you right now? I would say
0: please do not underestimate the innovative power of a nurse. (laughs) That's what I would say.
1: (laughs) A little bit more, elaborate.
0: Again, nurses are the largest profession, 24-7, use more products and services than anybody else. They know what it takes. If you want to get something fixed, go into a frontline hospital, home health, whatever the environment. My background happens to be critical care, so I always think acute care, sickest Mm -hmm. patients and and you can not only get what could be done better but lots of really great raw material to how to um to, to change something to make it work better or to des- or to redesign something um i just think it's just amazing it's inspiring that's what i love i love working with the frontline nurses because i'm not a frontline nurse anymore and i haven't been for a while um so i I'm really i appreciate their perspective and their knowledge and their can-do attitude.
1: Well, and I have to say, I mean, I mean, I've been in hospitals. I've had surgeries before. Um, I took care of my grandmother for 23 years before she died at 95 years old. So I spent a lot of time at the hospitals, a lot of time with the nurses. And, and you couldn't have said it any better. They are resilient. They are the go-to. Um, if I needed anything, I, I definitely would contact the nurse well before the doctors. sometimes. Actually, most times. Um, they comfort the families. I mean, they, they, they hold so many jobs. Um, and my grandmother didn't speak English, and there was always a way that they found to communicate with her without the technology. Um, they just found ways to communicate with her and to reassure her that she was going to be okay. Um, and that was one of the things that I love, and so I do appreciate that. And the, the the technology that's out there, I mean, every day, I mean, it's advanced. It's so advanced, and I mean, and we're doing uh, the tele the telemeds right now um, which is really interesting. I had a doctor's appointment via telemed, and I, and I'm like are you okay? And and my doctor, I love her. I love her. I love her. She was like trying to figure it out. And she's like, this is really just different. not hard. It's just different. I can't do my job and learn tech at the same exact time.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, because we just had to switch over from zero to 60 or 60 to zero, whatever, all at one time. Um, So I- I I I was going to say the nurses are the MacGyvers of the healthcare system. So let them rip. (laughs)
1: Perfect. Oh my God. Perfect, perfect, perfect analogy. Yes, this is so true. Oh my God. And on that one, oh, um, hi, Karen. I'm so happy that you're here. (laughs) So I do appreciate you taking time out of your day. And then, and and literally I, and I'm going to say it. So I called Karen earlier and she wasn't ready for the call. (laughs) I should have, and you said it. Like I should have had it before and after, but I would have never do that to you. So, Coming I on, didn't realize
0: it was gonna. I was gonna be on videotape, so I had my uh, COVID nineteen outfit and hair on. She <laughs> made me take a
1: shower today. I adore you. I mean, I would. I would have paid. I mean, literally, I'd pay a lot of money to have you as my nurse if I was in the hospital. That would be a good time. <laughs> thank you you for your time i really do appreciate it oh thank you so much for having me jody i appreciate it (laughs) and i will talk to you soon because like literally when this is over i and i've told everybody i'm going to follow up with everybody because i want to see what happens when you actually go out your door okay (laughs) that sounds good (laughs) bye-bye bye